This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, and this is the Pentathlon of Podcasting. We are boycotting the NBC CCP Genocide Olympics, uh, or I should say the CCP Genocide Olympics, brought to you by NBC. We will be here every day highlighting a different crime. Today we're we're of the CCP, a crime against humanity, every day. And today we're doing a little different. We're doing a little different today. Um, There was something else I wanted to talk about. At the end of the show, I read my list of shame. It's a long list. You can listen till the end and hear every name of every CEO, president, board member of every corporation. I read them out loud. I'm going to read them at the end of every show from here on out till the end of the genocide games. Um, But we also, if you don't want to listen, you know, at the end of the show, if you want to listen to me read a list for about 15 minutes, you can go to um, ccpgenocideolympics.com and see the corporations you'll be boycotting because we're not going to watch one second or buy one product from any corporation that is in, in partnership with the CCP as they're in the midst of a great genocide and they've inflicted so much suffering around the world with their CCP virus. Um, but today we're going we're gonna to get the list at the end. We are going to talk about uh, gen- the Genocide Olympics with the great G. Moody. G. Moody was the co-host of um, the, Michael Rappaport, uh, the Michael Rappaport podcast. And uh, when he was, it was one of the biggest podcasts in the world. And it was one of my favorite podcasts because of G, I like Gerald Moody. We became we've become friends, and what I liked about him is how honest he was and how uh, fearless, and how he had very he would always bring sort of unique insights, and um, he was very courageous in stating his opinion. So I wanted to talk today before we get to this list of shame at the end of the show. I wanted to talk to G Moody about the Genocide Olympics, but I also wanted to talk to him about this new brouhaha: is the NFL racist? And I think he, you know. Um, we disagreed a little bit on that. Uh, we talk about um, Biden's Supreme Court nomin- uh, nominee. Who is she going to be and why is he nominating her? We talk about uh, Whoopi Goldberg. We talk about Whoopi Goldberg. So in other words, if you need to do operation research on me and you're looking to clip me up out of context and um, cancel me, this is your show. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. We're talking about ra- race, racism, anti-Semitism. We're talking about it all. We're dancing around uh, the third rail of of, uh, of podcasting. You know, even the great Joe Rogan. Well, we oh, we even talked about the vaccine and mask mandates. So this show dances around all of the dangerous topics for podcasts. Okay, so this is the show that you can use to cancel me. But you don't want to cancel me because I have great guests like G. Moody, you are going to want to listen to the show until the end. You might not want to listen to me read this list because I mispronounced most of the names, um, but you want to listen to the show for the great G. Moody. He is the host of G. Moody's Cookout on Instagram that he does now every month. Uh, I'm going to have uh, his Instagram in the show notes. I will also have in the show notes a link to our, our pledge that we're going to boycott the Genocide Olympics. Sign your name to that pledge. This episode is being brought to you by the Vulnerable People Project, standing in solidarity with the most vulnerable people in the world. 
when uh, they are most vulnerable. As you know, now we are working very hard in Afghanistan. Just today, we delivered uh, hundreds of, of to, we delivered a month's, four-month supply of food to hundreds of families. We also um, have been moving people again. It's, uh, we've been able to move people again, not only uh, to neighboring countries of Afghanistan, but we're getting people to the United States again. Very slowly, it's a trickle. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that we need to get out, and we have tens of thousands we need to get food to. We can only do that with your help. So go to thegreatcampaign.org and give your very best donation. We are also being brought to you by the best product in the world, Mike Lindell's MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com. If you've never gone to MyPillow.com and looked at the website and looked at all of the luxurious, wonderful products, just go look. Just go look. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to go, what's that code again? Because you're going to want to buy you're going to want to buy sheets and pillows and slippers. You're going to want to get your doggy bed. You better get your dog a MyPillow doggy bed. You can do that by going to MyPillow.com. And for the deep discounts, you use the code Jones. You are in for a treat with New York's very own. He's a five. He is a certified five-star podcast host. The great G. Moody on the Jason Jones Show. Aloha, G. Moody. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. What's up, bro? Aloha to you, too, my friend. I missed you. I missed your voice. I'm back, man. We're back. So let, let, let's do it up. Well, you know, I, I love your cookout, especially in those the G. Moody cookout in Instagram and, and those dark days of the COVID shutdowns when I was in the, the prison camp formerly known as the state of Hawaii. And, you know, you, I'm used to traveling all the time, and I love New York City. And I love Rome. All these places I would go to a couple times a year, I couldn't go to. But you just started roaming the streets of New York in the dark days of the shutdown and showing the, uh, how Queens and how the boroughs were still vibrant and alive. And you'd go down to the bodega. Is that what you guys call it in New York? The bodega? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the bodegas. And, and, and uh, so I just thought that uh, I, I really loved it. And then, you know, you were the, the ex-co-host of the Michael Rappaport show i don't even know if that guy's still on but when you were on it that was my favorite podcast right everybody says that man and it was good while it lasted but you know moved on it was great right it's like the beatles you know and now now i don't know if michael's the wings or what's going on but uh, i missed you (laughs) i missed i missed you so hey the reason you know i want to have you on the show first of all you have entered you know, you had the five star podcast, right? That's what it was. It was yep. that was you were the five star podcast. Well, now you have entered the pentathlon of podcasting because I'm doing a show every single day during these genocide Olympics in Beijing. You know, I want oh. I'm doing it for two reasons. I'm doing it. Uh, one reason is I have a little voice, but I'm going to use my little voice every single day to to uh, point out the obvious that this is a great scandal and it is an embarrassment to all of the corporate sponsors. It brings shame to NBC. It's pitiful that these NBC broadcasters who aren't going to China because it's dangerous uh, will be covering the Olympic Games from the safety of the United States. But we're, we're supposed to send our young men and women to Beijing where the FBI told them, don't bring your phones. Um, wow. 
where the IOC, the Olympic Committee, told them, hey, if you speak up for human rights against China while you're there, China can prosecute you and we will punish you through the Olympic Committee. So you can't speak up for human rights. Um, so it's a great scandal. So uh, one reason I'm doing this is just to lend my little voice to speak up for the Uyghur, the people of China, the women who've had forced abortions, the Christians who have been disappeared and sent to concentration camps, Jimmy Lai, that billionaire businessman, money, wealth, power, influence doesn't protect you from this regime, uh, looking at life in prison. So one reason is I'm just sharing my voice for them. And the second, wow. and the second reason is just for the history books. You know, people, they can't, don't let anyone pretend, if you're listening to this in 50 years, that they did not know that 3 million Uyghurs were in concentration camps, that their organs were being right. harvested, that women um, were being systematically raped and tortured. They knew. Wow. They knew. Uh, they knew. They knew. So, right. so that right. you're, you've entered the pentathlon of podcasting. Welcome. I'm, 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 I'm ready, man. I like that. I like what you're doing. <laughs> I like it. All right. So at the end of the show... I'm going to read a list of shame. I'm going to I'm going to read a list of all the corporate sponsors and their CEOs, and then I'm going to uh, read a list at the end of the show of the and also the heads of the uh, IOC and other sports and Olympic committees, NBC broadcasters, and, every, and NBC Universal, everyone involved. I'm going to do that at the end of the show. So stick around to the end of the show, and I'm going to read this this list of shame, and you can see the list at CCP Genocide Olympics. You know, it's not the China virus, it's the CCP virus. It's not the people right. of China, it's the Communist right. Party of China. And the genocide is the CCP. We want to separate the CCP from the Chinese people like you separate the Nazi party from the German people. Uh, but I'm going to read, you go to ccpgenocideolympics.com, you can see this list, and I'm going to read it at the end of the show. But we're going to start out with something a little lighter than genocide. Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because when you, when I would listen to you, and Michael Rappaport go back and forth. What what I greatly admired about you is it's as if you were every you came to every kind of controversial topic fearlessly. You were fearless, and you just state your opinion, no matter regardless of maybe how out of the box or controversial it would be. And it's as right. if you were like looking at just the facts. Like you would remove the peer pressure, you would remove the woke mob. And you would look at the facts, and you would just say what you thought, and I and, and that Absolutely. and that's what I thought. This guy's the best guy. And, and when I have a podcast, like I looked at you, and I said, I want to be like Gerald Moody. I, I want to be like G. Moody. I want to just say what I think. And why have a podcast if you're not going to say what you think? So I want to exactly. talk about three controversial co topics, and I want, I want I want your take on it, and then maybe see if we agree, disagree, and we can talk about it. Okay. All right. Let's. Let's start out with maybe two. The two, to me, kind of go together in a weird way. You got Brian Flores calling the NFL systematically, said there's systematic racism and he can prove it in the NFL. And then you've got okay. Whoopi Goldberg being called out as an anti-Semite. And I came out on social media immediately defending Whoopi. I always try to do that. When they were calling Nick Sandman a horrible name, that pro-life kid at the pro-life march, I came out and defended him day one. Um when they went after Kyle Rittenhouse, day one, I came out in his defense. When they went after uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and Facebook kicked me off Facebook for a month for making wow. a, a video saying Ellen DeGeneres was an admirable woman that people should admire, and that the LGBTQ right. lobby going after her because she tried she 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 accepted Kevin Hart's uh, apology, apology and right. said that they were friends. Then the LGBT mob went after her 
I made a video saying what a winsome, generous woman she was, and and they should thank her for the progress towards their goals. Not my goals, but towards their goals. Anyway, Facebook doxed me for Facebook kicked me off for a month for defending Ellen. So I, you know, today I want to kind of strangely defend the NFL and Whoopi Goldberg. I think I, I think Whoopi. No one in the world believes Whoopi Goldberg's an anti-Semite. So what does she have to apologize for, and why was she kicked off the air? I don't I don't get it. And in the same breath. I think charging the NFL with systematic racism is nuts. So with that, what, what, what is your take? I know you thought a lot about both of these probably, and especially probably the Brian, Brian Flores. I know you're a big sports fan. What do you, what do you think of these two? I, I think with uh, Brian Flores, there's some history there that kind of lends validity to what he's saying as far as um, the inner working of the hiring practices of the NFL owners. Now, you have a league that's 75, whatever, I think 65, 70% black players, and there is one black head coach, and he's making the point that he knows qualified, overqualified guys that don't get a shot at all or to sham with the Rooney rule, the fact that they even have to come up with a rule, a rule to ensure that the black candidates can get a fair shake. That in and of itself is kind of weird, but he is, I think, speaking from experience that, yo, there needs to be more black head coaches or they need to really get a chance to coach because this is really, um, you know, not really fair, but you can't tell the owners who they can hire. So that's, they should just come out and say it like, yo, we don't want you to coach instead of, you know, he said, oh, we're going to try and change the hearts and minds of, of the, I don't know if that's going to happen. It hasn't happened in a uh, hundred years of the NFL. Right now you got one black head coach and all the players, 80% of the players are black. That's a power dynamic that's not really right. So, of course, black people are going to look at that and say, yo, oh, we could play, but we can't coach. And the commissioner says from his own mouth that if the black players weren't in the league, there would be no league, but they can't coach. So you look at that, and what is that? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Who, says, who said they can't coach? I mean, um, that's what it that that's what it seems like. Seems oh, because, I thought someone said that. Oh, okay. no, no, no. I'm saying that's what it seems like because I mean, we, we can go. They can't be the head coach. This is obvious based on the history of there being very, you know, limited head black head coaching. And I'm I'm of the uh, I'm of the I'm of the thinking that you can't tell the owner who he can hire. That's my thing. Like. I understand the owner, like he's going to hire whoever he wants to hire. So, well, and I we think, do, you know, and I think that was Flores's point. The point that I, I mean, it, you can't deny is that the the shenanigans that go around go along, around with this Rooney rule, right? There's exactly. it is shenanigans, right? It's like okay, like we know we're going to hire, you right, know, but just bring this guy in, bring two guys just, in just, here, just, yeah, just, just give me two guys just in here to, to make interview you look real good. Quick. Yeah, I mean that's right. That's definitely that's that's obvious. Um, 
do you think it's it's like racism in in the owners and in the in in in, in the um and and the leadership in the leadership of the franchises, or do you think it's sort of there's a good old boy network that just sort of builds naturally, and and the black coaches don't maybe, you know, there's sort of a wall that keeps them out of that old boys network. So they well, don't they don't think they're racist, right? Like, do you think these owners are sitting there like I don't want a black coach, or do you think it's it's more subtle than that? I I I think, um, I think that that's in, in that's in the mind. Because I think, like I got it from um, older players. I read an article. He said, um, the thinking is, you can play. We don't have an issue with you playing. But as far as representing the organization, the face of the franchise, I'd rather not, I'd rather have you not do that. And I may have some subconscious bias. You know, I want, uh, somebody that looks like me. It could be. It could be subconscious. I want somebody that looks like me um, to represent the city, the franchise, and my organization. You know, the whole organization. Based on history, that's what it says to me. Because you got the Giants. They've never had a head coach. How many black players? It's okay. Why is it such an issue to get the black coach? But it's never an issue to get the players. It's never an issue to get to get. Well, when you look players. at the, what are the percentage of the? You just said it earlier. Seven, what's what's the percentage? Seventy five. Let's just say seventy five. Seventy five percent. Well, where I would say there's definitely a, a falling down is just in the franchise. You're not cultivating these athletes into coaches, right? You have an athlete. Let's say Benjamin Watson has twenty years in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, this is the prime prospect to be cultivated to become a coach and so i think these franchises are falling down and and whether or not it's conscious racism i think it's is that beautiful powerful documentary that came out many years ago broke by it was an espn documentary um yeah i saw that yeah it, it demonstrated that the league didn't really take serious the future of these athletes that you know, they play, most of them play, what, two years? And then they're broke. Right. And they're and not only they're they're broke, but their bodies are broken. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm walking around with injuries from high school football. It's still, <laughs> it's still hurt me. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I like, I'm, I'm on this. You can't force these guys to hire, you know, black people. You can't do that. What, what black people have been saying is, yo, how, like, there are a lot of black coaches on the sideline that played in the league 20 years or whatever, 10 years, and if they're known, they never move up the ranks, and then they'll hire someone else who just, like, like just got there. So it seems like it seems done, to be done purposely. So that's what, that, that's what they're saying. That's what Brian Flores is saying. Like, and he's been in it, and he's been around, and he knows coaches. Like, yo, why he didn't get a shot? And how could this guy get a shot? So I don't think he's saying it racism in the nfl like it's the it's the owners and the decision makers in that position that's what he's saying because he said he loves he loves the nfl and another another uh, older player said i've been in in these rooms it's not the nfl it's the people making the decisions as far as coaching it's the old boys network like you said and uh they feel 
you know, confident with different their own people. This is coming from the player. So then, okay, so how, so here, how do we get around this, right? So if it's the old boy network, which you know they they don't feel comfortable, they're not going to say it, but they right. feel more comfortable with you know the white guy coming over to the family dinner parties and hanging out with them at their country club, right? That's how you get jobs. I, I talk to my staff, right. my team, and I say our whole job is like I have to hire people because I don't I don't have a winsome winning personality, right? I. I quickly can alienate and turn people off. So I have to hire people that I can send into certain communities and groups to like charm. And I'm like, you know, our job is to, your job is to, you know, I was just talking to a young woman at work. Your job is to be, you know, we have to charm these people because we, this is for the vulnerable people project. We're trying to get visas or we're trying to get um, landing rights, you know, and so go into this embassy and become their best friend, you know, go to spin cycle, soul cycle with them and go get pho, you know, and uh, go get Thai food right. and, hang out and become their pal. That's how we do our job. So there is something to do like, you know, like that, that maybe these older folks are just subconsciously more comfortable with these guys as they're, as they're courting coaches. Cause I think that's probably how they do it. Right. They're courting these right. coaches and who right. do they feel more right. comfortable with? So, okay. So but Brian's not saying that the NFL is racist. He's just saying that the decision nah. makers that are hiring these coaches Right, had their biases and things. Had their biases based on based on history. And you said what what can be done? It's two things. Like if you say, um, you oh, we just now if you if you get into the racial identity politics, if you start to say, well, we're going to hire a black coach this year, no matter what. So then that becomes racial identity politics. And you don't, I don't want to see that. So what can you do? What you can't, like, if they feel the way Brian Flores is, you know, saying that they feel, they need to come out and say it. If they won't say it, but that's the way. So, so black people can understand, yo, you're not going to get this job. They're telling you they feel this way about that position and they want this person representing the organization you have to be truthful but they won't because of course that's 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 not nice but well, i don't think they I know i think you're right i mean there's definitely biases 100 percent, right so but i don't right. think that they will recognize they have these biases they're probably offended and they sit around and they're and, and they're shocked that they would be accused of having these biases right 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 yeah i, I yeah but I mean, I don't think they're, I mean, you know, who is that, who is that owner? Who is that owner of the Clippers? Sterling. Sterling. Do you know, thanks to Sterling, I got to go backstage and hang out with Paul Mooney. Right. Did I ever tell you, did I ever <laughs> tell you this story? No, nah, no, nah, tell me. So right when Sterling, uh, remind the audience what he did so that they know what the heck we're talking about. Donald Sterling, um, owner of the LA Clippers, former owner of the LA Clippers, well, he was named in lawsuits and uh, as far as, like, treating the black players said he treated us like he was on a plantation. And a tape came out with him saying some racial slurs about some players. And the NBA stepped in and took his team away. And we haven't I mean, heard anymore. Real racist slurs. Okay, so this is what happened. I was in New York City. Uh, I think it was on 42nd Street. There's this blues club. And I was walking down the street. And I look up. And Paul Mooney's my favorite comedian. Uh, may yeah, he rest in peace. 
And what I liked about him was his, he was just fiery and angry. You know, he was just had a, a passion about him. And, uh, so I was walking down the street. I look up, I see Paul Mooney and I thought, you know, just my luck. He probably is coming tomorrow or he's probably yesterday. And I look up and it's like seven o'clock and I, today. And I look at my watch. It's like six I'm like, what? And, uh, and I was actually going to, I, when I travel, I like to do jujitsu or Muay Thai and there, Henzo Gracie has a school like right over there. So I was walking to Henzo Gracie's school to do jujitsu. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see the show. So I, by myself, I go to the, I go to the booth and I say, Hey, I'd like a ticket to, um, see Paul Mooney. And the guy said, no, I don't think you want a ticket. <laughs> and I said, no, I do want a ticket. And he said, no, I don't think you understand who, his comedy. I'm like, trust me, I, 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 I've listened to more Paul Mooney than you. And uh, he's like, all right. And then I, and, and it was at this blues club. And I said to the, the doorman, I said, it was sort of like a club seating. So they had like, you know, tables and, uh, and people were sitting in their, their, in their, their, their friends, and their families. So I said to him, can you do me a favor? Can you find the, uh, the most attractive group of young women without um, whole audience, hold on audience. You're going to, you'll see where I'm going here. Who I don't have a guy with them and sit me with them. And he's like, okay. So he walks me to this, this table with these two beautiful young women. And he says, this guy asked to sit with two pretty girls. Can I sit him here? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not like that. I said, ladies, listen, if I'm sitting with you, I guarantee you, Paul Mooney's going to say something about us. And I'm going to get us backstage. Just, just try. Uh, and they're like, you're going to get us back? Wow. I said, watch this. So Paul Mooney, being Paul Mooney, by the way, I think it goes without saying, I was the only white guy there, right? The only white guy there. <laughs> So I'm sitting uh, with these two beautiful girls. Paul Mooney's pacing back and forth, and he keeps looking at me, you know, telling his jokes, looking at me, shaking his head, doing his thing, you know, having fun. And then finally he goes, what are you doing here? And I had my joke in my pocket that I knew would get us backstage after the show. Uh, and, 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 he, and I stood up, <clears throat> and I looked at him in the eyes. I stood up, and I slowly turned, slowly turned, looking at the whole audience in the eye, just – building tension up, building tension up. And I, I looked everyone in the eye and I turned back to Paul and I said, well, Paul, I just want to know what it felt like to be a black guy at the Clippers game. <laughs> and the whole crowd, this is like the week oh, after it shit. happened. And the whole yeah. crowd starts laughing, right? And then he goes, I like you, I like you. And then as soon as the show ended, this guy came running up and said, hey, do you guys, Paul wants to meet you guys. And I said, I told you wow. I'd get you backstage. So I owe Donald Sterling. I got to hang yeah. out with Paul Mooney, thanks to Donald Sterling. <laughs> All right, bring right, it back right. to the topic. I'm sorry for that digression. So how, how do we uh, – okay, so if you don't tell the coaches who to hire, and if they're not going to admit their biases or they're not aware of their biases, what do we do and what does uh, Flores want to happen? You just have to continue to do what you, what you have been doing and hope that you get a guy that can give you a fair shake. That's it. Because there's nothing else you can do because you don't want to fall into the racial identity politics where they're just picking you because of your skin color and it's not on merit, then that's bullshit. Oh, excuse me, I don't know if I can curse. But that's what happened. So you just got to we, – we, we are in that position as black coaches, black – as black people, we're in the position. You have to just try to – you know, appeal to the more the moral conscience or legal avenues, but if that doesn't pan out, you have the mercy of, of, of these people, basically. So 
If he don't tell you in, in your face straight up, we're not hiring any minorities, this is what it is, then you just got to wait. Or form your own league and compete a la the XFL. Or, or, or start an ownership group. Yeah, but that's an old boys network too. But so we got to do something, man. I mean, because uh, I think I think black folks getting getting kind of kind of um kind of really tired and and they're like, yo, we make the league, you know. The commissioner says, yo, we wouldn't be, even be an NFL without the black players, and now they're like, yo, we want to coach, we want to do something. Like this is getting too much. So. Well, by the way, coaching, let's be honest, for most of these NFL, these young men in the NFL, coaching's where it's at, right? Like, you know, my hobby is boxing and mixed martial arts and kickboxing, and so I'm always hanging out at gyms. And I love when I meet the young man who is maybe on his way to, you know, being a contender, being a champion, but he just makes the decision that, you know what, I have a family or this and that, and I want to be a coach or I want to open up a gym, I want to pour into other young people, and then they're the ones that have a stable, successful, real, a life. You know, coaching is really where it's at. So when you have all of these young men in the NFL, most of them are going right. to play only two years. It just yeah. seems like we should be looking to cultivate them into coaches. You know, when I first, this might sound, seem like a strange comparison, but when I first got to Washington, D.C. as a young man, uh, when I finished, when I got out of college and got a job offer and dropped out of grad school and moved to D.C., I'm a young guy, I was a veteran, and I was shocked that I did not meet a single veteran of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people I, I met working in Washington, D.C. and in Capitol Hill. And, hey. I, and I called my best friend, who is a veteran and a Marine truck driver, and I said, right. man, I said, hey, Scott, where are all the veterans? I never meet any veterans, you know? And he goes, oh, everyone I work with is a veteran. And I thought, oh, that's how it is, right? That, that where the, right. The, the, the halls of power... Those of us who they said get an edge on life, join the army, you're working class, or whatever. Um, yeah, they'll get you. A, and, and being a truck driver is a great job, but don't let them into the Capitol. <laughs> you know, don't let them right. into the Oval <laughs> Office. We right. don't need an right. infantryman. We don't need a grunt. Is it? Is it? Is that a good? It's kind of like that, right? Like, oh, yeah, no, we need you. You know, slamming your yeah. body, but uh, we don't need you. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't need you in uh, the clubhouse. Right. Right. I mean, and. And, and reality, history says that. It's like, yo, you could play, you could do all of this, but this position is not for you. The upper echelon, as soon as you get off the field, it gets less and less black. So you could be here. That's, that's what they're telling you. We need you here because you provide the excitement. There's no game without you. So this is your domain. And when you come over here, history says that you will be shunned and we're going to come up with a rule because you've been griping about not getting a chance, so we're going to come up with a rule that states you have to interview these people, you have to, just to show us that you at least tried. That's it. That's what it's about. And then, and then it, think how heartbreaking it is for the um, these men that go in there for these jobs time after well, time yeah. after time, and no, it's just uh, it's a sham. Right. It's just discouraging. It's like, man. And then, you know, the guy already got the job, and they like just kind of uh, stringing you along, and you know, it's, it's 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 that's been going on since the history of the league. Yeah, I think you I think you might have changed my mind on this, there, G Moody. Now, now, by the way, let's go. I want to jump from this to the to, to president saying that he's going to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. I, you right. know, conservatives were mad 
that they, he said he was going to nominate a black woman and said he shouldn't pick based on gender or, or, or ethnicity. I hate the word race because race is not a thing. There's no such thing as race. Right. Uh, we're right, a human right. family. But, um, and, you know, liberals were excited. I, I thought it was an insult to the nominee. Why would he say that? Right. First right. of all, it's here's what I know. <laughs> here's what I know. Being a Supreme Court judge isn't like being an Olympic high jumper. It's not like you need the very, you know, there's like a caliber of people who are qualified, whatever your ideology, right? Like whoever Biden nominates, I'm not going to like. But right. he, he, he could find a qualified person that meets any category you could think of, right? He could, uh, th th that's ideologically suitable to him, just like we as conservatives could. I as cons we could. Why would you insult your nominee by, to me, I thought that as an insult. You know, ask absolutely. for the most qualified people. And I, and unlike most conservatives, I might offend some of my audience here. If I've got three or four people to choose from, I don't think there is anything wrong with him saying, let's get a black woman. These three are equal. I like all three of them. But you know what? This is going to be good for America. This is going to inspire a lot of young people, young women. I, I think this right. is a very good thing. That does not offend me at all. I don't know if that offends you, but, but it offends me saying that's, that's why here. you're picking her. That, that's offensive. Right, right. But that's what they do, man. It's like um, your, uh, your skin color. Like I said, Colin Kaepernick turned his skin color into a business. It's, 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 this is how they operate, you know. And it's sad because she's capable, you know, regardless of her skin color. So to point that out, it's like it doesn't make sense. Like I don't care what color she is. I really don't. She could be green. I mean, if she's capable, that's really all that matters. And her skin color shouldn't even be mentioned. But if you need the skin color to use for yourself or for whatever sinister reason you have, of course you're going to highlight this human being's skin color. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the politics. It's identity politics. So next he'll say, I'm going to pick a transgender and rule out everybody else so you in order to get this job, I don't think there'll be a qualified transgender. There's not a qualified <laughs> transgender. Now, maybe so, if we were picking someone to compete as a female in the Olympics and we wanted to win, we would pick a transgender. But if, but I, right. I don't want to pick a transgender. But if, it, yeah, but you're right. It's just gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be bizarro land. Right, and 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 it's just gonna, it's like ruling out people. Like I, I always say, doesn't the capability matter why does her skin color have to be spoken about it's, it's it's about capability for me and if she's black so what that's great but if she's capable that's all good that's what matters but they don't do it's like it's like you know black people are are like they little pup uh, mascots and, and, and puppets man that's what it is that's what it's sad yeah, well, I think Whoopi Goldberg's finding that out. So let's move to Whoopi. You know, I think Whoopi yep. Goldberg's finding it out. Being a black woman on the victim totem pole is way down the line. <laughs> right. Like she found out the hard way, right? She found out, like, she she can't say things. Right. And and it didn't matter if you changed your name, too. <laughs> I mean, look, she was married to a Jewish guy for, like, 20 years, right? Right, right. So she, she, it didn't matter. 
She didn't so, even diminish the Holocaust. She didn't deny the Holocaust. No. She didn't diminish the Holocaust. She said, hey, I have a toothache. I don't have time to worry about other people's toothaches. That's what I took her talk. That's right, how right. I took it. I took it as, hey, I'm a black woman. I got a toothache. Lots of people have toothaches, you know. But, but Jason, if you are in that arena, the man with the gold makes the rules. So you cannot say certain things in their arena. That's, that's their domain. So you got to always toe the line. And as a black person, you got to opt out of that conversation because you know what it is. So that's her mistake. You got to opt out of that. You guys are like, I have no comment. Right. In that arena. But see, that's racism. Because I don't, can I say, I don't, I'm going to say this. I have a lot of black friends who grew up. Uh, I mean, what she said, I've heard a million times. Right. But right. Have you heard it on national television? No. There you go. <laughs> so she can't say what she can say or, or feel because not the a, people with power I, I, are going to dox her. Right. And the conservatives have played into this. Like we say we hate cancel culture. Do I think what she said was thoughtless and insensitive? Yeah, I don't even think I need to say that, right? Right. Of course right. I do. And uh, none of us want to, none of us set out to hurt people. Um, right. That's why we should, when we listen to other people talk, we should bring empathy to it. So when I heard Whoopi talk, I didn't think she was trying to diminish other people's suffering. Now, I'm not Jewish, nor are my grandparents didn't die in the Holocaust, uh, or my, my parents are Holocaust survivors. So, yeah, maybe those people were really hurt by her comments, but I was bringing empathy to it. But she did say, generally, that's a white people problem. I'm a white person. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just took it as her saying, listen, I got a toothache. You know, I, I got, yeah. we, my, my community has its own problems. And right. uh, don't talk, to, I, I, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but you Her, don't think, um, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, G. I, um, I, I just think she should know better. She should know as far as talking about anything in that category for a black person on their platform, your job is to opt out because you can't win. You can't win. You can't win anything. So you just got to be like, yo, okay. Um, you know, you got to evade. You got to evade that question. You can't give your opinion on that. They're gonna, you, you're gonna, you're gonna get castigated. You get lambasted, and they're gonna cancel you. You can't say anything. See, this is black people one on one. You can't say anything regarding that. You're supposed to know that. Yeah, he knows it. She just, she just made a mistake. Well, but she's holding her own, right? Like, she's not really apologizing. Because she doesn't, she has nothing to apologize for. I mean, right. she, she, she has, right. what she said is, folks, for those of you who don't know, you might have think she said something horribly awful. But what she said was, um, look, something to the effect of, like, look, black people, we have our own problems. This is, this is a white people problem, white people killing white people. And it wasn't about <laughs> race. Now, right. clearly to Hitler, it was 100% about race, right? To the Ku Klux Klan, when they were uh, spread Malcolm X's body, his father's body across a train track and killing his father, they were hunting Jewish kids who were freedom riders. Like, we all know this. This is true in Catholics. So for Hitler, it was about race. But, but what she was saying is from her perspective, this is what I'm hearing. She, she, knows, that, that she knows what Hitler's ideology was. She does not not know Perfect. that. It was a silly... Mm -hmm. 
uh, dumb, clumsy thing to say. But but, but right. she there's what she said, and then there's what I heard. And what I heard her just saying was, look, uh, I'm a black woman with a toothache. A, a lot of people got toothaches, you know. That's what I heard. Is that a is that right. a fairness? Is that fair to say that's yeah yeah yeah? But you know, when you're dismissive to you know that issue on their platform, oh man, it's over. It's over. You're supposed to be sympathetic. That's the game. That's what it is. You're supposed to understand all suffering and toe the line. When you get dismissive of that category of that issue. In that world, it's over. It's over. Yeah, maybe it's because I I work with so many vulnerable ethnic and religious minorities through my work at the Vulnerable People Project. I often will come across different communities that there's so there's there's so much suffering and pain in their community that they don't have the privilege and opportunity to empathize and worry about what other people are going through. And right. that doesn't bother me at all, right? Like, I don't... Yeah. Uh, when my friend's having a heart attack, I, I say, are you just going to sit there and have a heart attack? Or are you, aren't you going to cry because my dad has colon cancer? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. You just... We need to bring a little empathy to when you hear people speak. And so then there's this... Just to me, the basic question is, are we canceling a woman because she had clumsy language? Then we should just say it. Or do we believe she's anti-Semitic and it has hatred for the Jews, which I don't think any honest person in the world could say that she has is, is either of those. Right. Because what if she has that, what would she gain from that? She doesn't have that at all. I, I mean, I mean, it doesn't make any sense for her to be just hating, hating Jewish people or anything. She has nothing to gain from that. I think she spoke uh, from you know, it was like off the cuff, like made a mistake as far as just, and of course, on in that realm, national television, the man with the gold makes the rules and you can't say anything dismissive about that suffering or that issue. You got, you, you, that's what it is. You got to be on, you got to be evasive or <laughs> just toe the line. Dissemble. You, cl- you have to be yep. careful. Isn't that, but that's why I like, you when you were when you had your podcast, and I remember when the Kaepernick thing came out. Right. You were kind of startlingly honest. I don't know if you follow your own rules. <laughs> right, I, I I was, yeah, I was I was honest with it, with it, with him because I'm like I I knew it was something else to that, and I was right. You nailed it. I was right. You nailed was it. It right. was you recall it the whole time. It was about money. Yep, I was right. I knew it. I mean, I knew it was a hustle, and you could see with the Netflix doc, documentary and all this stuff. And I, I was like, the only way you could sell that documentary, you have to throw the white adoptive parents under the bus. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't that's see the, the documentary. So they threw his parents under the bus? Yeah, man. Oh, my. They, they, it, was like, it was like alluding to them being like racist, microaggressions. And I'm like, I knew it. That's the only way. Those poor parents. Oh my! I hope he's taking care of them. I said, I hope he said, "Ma, Dad, I love you," and right. uh, this is going to hurt. But I got a trust fund set up for you. I got this bank account set up for you. You get ten percent ownership. Right, right. I hope he was real right. honest I'm, about I'm, the hustle. Right, I'm gonna throw you guys under the bus, but it's, it's, it's very lucrative. 
for all of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hope. I'm sure he loves his. I don't know. I mean, did it did it did it come across that he loves these microaggressing parents of his or what? It 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 came off as just for me, just man, bad taste, man. It's like damn, but yo, he went out there, he did that. I knew what it was about. I knew what it was about. Let's right. shift gears. So now we. This is a good show for opposition research for people want to hurt either. They, they, we were probably offending everyone. We talked about the Supreme Court. We talked about Kaepernick. We talked about the NFL. We talked about uh, uh, what else? Did we talk about here the Olympics. Olympics, yeah. Now, 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 I want to now I want to shift gears. I want to look at the Olympics right right now. I want to look just right at okay. the Olympics. So here we are getting all this coverage about Whoopi Goldberg's. Um, clumsy statement on the view and by the way here's what i think about Whoopi. i think Whoopi is uh she can be a mean and vindictive vindictive person she would be the first to take out of context something i said to call me a racist or an anti-semite i believe that about Whoopi goldberg 100 i don't think she would miss the chance right to throw her political adversary under the bus i'm not naive to that but that doesn't mean i want to be an ignoble person i, I do not want to do that and i do not for one minute think she's anti-semitic um, so I, I don't think you should cancel a person for something they're not. And, and you shouldn't say right. something horrible about a person if it's not true. And even if it is right. true, you should probably, in most instances, keep it to yourself too. Um, now, um, the Olympics, we've got this whoopee brouhaha where they're saying that she diminished the Holocaust in some way, which she did not. Um, right. but we have a real genocide going on. Right. A, real, a real genocide, right? Like the Uyghur. Are you familiar with this Uyghur genocide? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I know about it, man. It's atrocities going on over there. But I, 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 I understand, you know, why corporations are tight-lipped. I understand. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. So why are they tight-lipped? You understand? Be, yeah, because you know, I think people, government, also, I think these people have been compromised for whatever reason, from China. Because I'll speak about governance. It seems like in New York that they are anti-freedom. Right. And a lot of a lot of things in censorship, you can't say anything. Isn't that how they do things in China? NBA is in bed with China. They cannot say anything. 10% of their revenue in growing comes from China. 10%. That's right, a lot of so, money. So they planted the seeds of basketball, I think, in China in 1986. So they're trying to reap a harvest. They know it's a communist regime over there, so they can't say anything. And a guy, general manager of the Houston Rockets, said something about um, supporting Taiwan in their fight for democracy. And China told the NBA, you better tell your guy to be quiet. And China said, we're going to pull out, and they took all the games off TV. So the NBA can't say anything because that is how many people over there, and they're trying to, you know, reap the harvest of that basketball culture. So they're in bed with these people, so that's why they don't say anything about the horrors going on over there because they know it's going to cut the money off. It's capital capitulation. They can't say anything. They but can't. Corporations, government, some of these people are, are co-opted. That's why it's lockdown. That's why 
anti-freedom, anti-American. You can see it. It's called ideological subversion. It's so sad what's going on. People don't realize once these freedoms go, it's a wrap. It's over. And there's no other place to defect to. No other place. So it's very serious what's going on with them, um, the atrocities in China. But I understand. Look, these NFL owners, aren't they think they're free men. This this billionaire, who was the owner of that uh, the, the, that recently who came out and said, look, the, I forget it. If I don't like someone, I delete their name from my brain. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I forgot his name. He looked the camera in the eye in that podcast and said, I, uh, yeah, I don't care about the Uyghur genocide. I don't care at all. By the way, that was oh, much man. more offensive than what Whoopi Goldberg said. Right. I, I right. mean, come on. Why didn't we get, why didn't he get the kind of heat Whoopi? That's going to be my next article. Why didn't that guy get the kind of heat Whoopi got? He diminished a genocide in the midst of the genocide. Said he, he, he didn't has care. Chinese investors. I bet he you. Probably, he, yeah, he, he can't. A lot of these people's hands are tied. They can't say anything because they're in bed with China. China controls, you know, the strings and stuff. So it's, it's you, you see what it is. That's why they have to, they have to capitulate to China. They have, it's, it's the money, money too. And the citizens suffer. Yeah, the Chinese, I always tell people, the Chinese are the first, were the first victims of the CCP. Yeah. My wife's family personally suffered from the CCP. I see kind of what I'm doing is uh, I'm exacting retribution for my, my wife's grandparents. But the, the Chinese were the first victims of the CCP. Right, you know, the, right, it, right. Mostly Chinese women that had to suffer under forced abortions and Chinese men who couldn't protect their wives and their pre-born children from forced abortions. You know, then from out from China, they invaded East Turkestan. They call it Xinjiang now. They invaded Tibet. They're... They're smashing Hong Kong. They're threatening Taiwan. And, yeah. um, and yet, you know, these corporations are in bed with them. And I bet you all these CEOs of all the corporate sponsors, and I'm about to read their names, I bet all these CEOs have their pronouns on their LinkedIn page. I bet all of them do. <laughs> How much you want to bet, Right, you? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know what's up with that. How did that come into to, to our, our society? I, I, that's just it's all about confusion too it's all about confusing the american citizen it's, well it, they it, make that, up genders because they if if we as a country really want to uh whip you know if we want to take a hanger and whip ourselves or cut ourselves, you know if we want to inflict wounds what is that called when you cause yourself pain um you know if you want to do yeah if you want to do self-inflicted pain if that's your thing and you, you want a reason to hurt yourself, we have a lot of historical injustices that we can look to. We don't need to make up communities to whimper for, right? Right, right. And that's, right. I mean, the Native Americans have to be like, my gosh. <laughs> They're going through 127 genders apologizing. Where Think are we? About that. It's, it's, <laughs> and I'm and, probably and, and, a Nazi and, because there's probably 300 now and I just cut it in half and how dare I? And, and Joe Biden, his first order of the day when he became president was to allow transgenders to play in sports. You don't think this guy is co-opted and somehow that would be priority? That's the priority? They no. know what they're doing, man. The Chinese, it's called three, three warfare, psychological, and the citizens are targeted of the nation through media. And you see it every day on print and on digital media. 
They're in these networks and it's stories that are just there to confuse. Yo, we're bigots because we don't want a transgender guy reading to my my kids at the library, or I don't want my daughter to have to run against a boy that's through puberty. That, by the way, right. like, the testosterone difference between a, a, a post-pubescent boy and a girl is difference between Barry Bonds and the next guy in the major league. I mean, like, right. Right. it's a big testosterone growth hormone difference. Yeah. Why do we even care yeah. about steroids? We should just – if boys can play as girls – then any everyone should be allowed to take steroids. If hormones don't make a difference, right? right if this doesn't right. have anything to do with our ability as athletes, then why do we? Why uh, bonds should be let into the uh, Hall of Fame? And if you don't let them play, then that's discrimination. It's all confusion designed to confuse the American citizen to turn the society upside down. They they did it in India. Do they, you know, they this is a plan, and we see it playing out right before our eyes. And, and you in the media, if that comes across, you would think that people would ridicule that, like, yo, what are you talking about? There's two genders, what are you talking about? It should be ridiculed. No, <clears throat> they 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 uh they promote it. Well, Confusion. Whoopi said, I think, whoop, another controversial thing she said. Um, she said, I think if a woman punches a man, you know, she's like, where I'm coming from is a black woman. If a woman punches a man, I think the man can hit her back. Did you hear about that? Oh, it, I didn't hear it. It got less attention. It was in, the th I think the same day and, and people All lost right. their mind over that. And I thought, okay, yeah, I get you losing your mind over that, but you're the same yeah. people that want a dude in the fighting girls in the UFC. Oh, man. It's the same people. They, they think a right, guy right. should be able to compete. So maybe if a girl smacks you, all you have to say is identify as a girl and smack her back. Is that what they're trying right. to say? Exactly. And this, this guy actually said that a, a man could get pregnant. It's, it's, and, and, he's a he, and he's a professor at a university yeah. and said, yeah, men can get pregnant. So this is where we mm -hmm. are in this society, bro. Now, are you hopeful, though? Are you hopeful? Or do you think it's over? Where's the I battle think, on? I, I think the battle is on, and I think the only way to combat this is just patriotism and love of country and love of freedom. So you have to be um, really a patriot and understand American freedom and understand that your freedoms are very important and you take them for granted. And what they're trying to do is make you hate your freedom. So you have to be very patriotic on what America stands for, and that's that's the only way it will win. That 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 we can strike back at this. The only way. Other than that, it's over. If if because they're going to take those freedoms, and the only thing that's stopping them from coming door to door with guns is the Second Amendment, because right. Americans are armed to the teeth. So that's they did that in the UK and other places, Australia. They, Winning their door to door. The only thing that's stopping it is we have citizens are armed. So the forefathers, whatever you think about them, cats, they knew the potential for the government to go out of control. So we're going to let the citizens be armed. Yeah, our founding fathers, people are angry that they didn't leap out of the Garden of Eden, perfect creatures, right? Right, right. Like they just <laughs> leap out. Like we missed it all. Right. What's going on? We're perfect. Right. 
But they Nobody's were amazing. For- like John Adams, John, uh, George Mason, these guys were radical abolitionists. That they, they, they would be beautiful today. You can't look through anything that they, they thought or supported or believed. And even today, you couldn't find error with them. There were so many yeah. beautiful, and now some of them were just, some of them were just products of their age, you know, and, and, their, yeah, and their experiences. Yeah. And and but some of them, like John Adams and his son John Quincy Adams, I don't know if you know about John Quincy Adams. After he was president, ran for Congress because you couldn't bring the word slavery up in the House. He is a former president sitting in the House, and he would bang his cane and just shout the word slavery. <laughs> oh, wow! Got in a fist fight even... over it. Got in a fist fight over slavery in the floor of the House. Now, these are some beautiful people. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, people are mad that our founding fathers didn't, uh, uh, you right. know, immaculately conceive. They, got, they but, got the Second Amendment thing right because be, it would be over here. It, the freedoms would be gone. Now, gee, you know, what I loved about your, your, your podcast and what I love about your um, cookout, and everyone needs to follow you on Instagram, I'm going to put it in the show notes, is your love of your community to me. I saw your, how you feel about your neighborhood is how I, how I felt about Hawaii. And then, you know, I moved. And right. now you're moving. Now, yeah, this I has got to be, I mean, first of all, I want you to tell us, maybe wrap the show up with this. we only got a couple right. minutes left. But tell us about your neighborhood, your community, how much you love it, maybe what you learned during the shutdowns about your community and, 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 and how painful is it for you to leave? Why are you moving? I mean, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, Brownsville, Brooklyn. I was born and raised there. You know, I, I love growing up in New York because it was, you know, so many different cultures that you could take the subway, you know, go to another neighborhood and see something totally different. Just the cosmopolitan, you know, style of New York, great, great city. And, you know, there was freedom. And then, you know, this happened. And then things started to change a little bit. But I love living here. I love growing up here. And as I got older, you don't want to live in New York City with the winters and snow and everything. So I was thinking about the future, but also this city changing also helped push me out too as far as the governance. We had this guy, this mayor, who got a political stage name, Warren Wilhelm Jr., a.k.a. Bill de Blasio. He was here and it was like, he was setting up. Wait, his real name is Wilhelm. His, his real name is Warren Wilhelm Jr. Wow! Go look it up. That's unbelievable. So, so you have this like a cultural Marxist running the city, actually setting up places where people could do drugs, like like setting up parks where people could shoot up with nurses around with needles and they still they have these all over you know the city so i'm like oh man i see what's happening i gotta get out of here Are so you, we had we had you, went to arizona <sighs> other states and it was like going to another planet it was like oh this 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 is america oh okay i see how it's gonna work out so if you feel about freedom you can't stay here you know, no, gee, it's, it's, I tell my friends in Hawaii, I travel to these blue states. I say, guys, I know what it's like now to go to the other side of the Iron Curtain to East Berlin from West Berlin. I fly into these blue cities and it's traumatic. They got the masks on again. I had a guy try to assault me for not social distancing uh, enough at a, a convenience store in Washington, D.C. And, and he, he lost his mind. 
And I right. was maybe four and a half feet away from him, and he freaked out. And this was exactly. a month ago. And, and I'm thinking, I've been in Texas. Leaving Hawaii was heartbreaking for me. I've been, I've been in Texas now a year and a half. A year and a half, no masks. A year and a half, no businesses closed. A year and a half, no social distancing. A year and a half, kids playing in the streets, baseball, football, basketball, everything. We're not all dead. And uh, our, ki- our kids are happy and healthy. And then I go to these blue right. cities, and it's like it hasn't changed in a year since it we left been. Hawaii. It is, it's gotten worse. They think it's gotten better because they're being boiled in water like that frog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I can't go. When it, I, I take the subway, no mask, no fear. Anybody come at me. God got me. Why you don't wear a mask? I'm rolling with God. God got me. I'm accosted and harassed every store, every place. So as a rational human being, there's no way if I could get out that I'm going to put up with this. So I don't wear the mask. I don't do that. I'm not complying. I'm healthy. I take care of myself. But I'm not going to live in a, a totalitarian state like this, a city like this, I'm not. So that was my decision, and it's going to be the best decision. You know, we don't regret it at all, and um, especially just seeing how our kids get to be outside and play all day, every day, and their right. their friends from Hawaii are on Fortnite 24 hours a day, you know, seven days a week, um, asking my Man, kids if they, they can. They got these kids out here wearing masks, and you see them in the stroller wearing a mask. Restricting oxygen, inhaling your own carbon as a three-year-old. This is this is crime. These are pieces. These are crimes, man. And these are the same people that three years ago would have called male circumcision like genital mutilation of boys. How right, dare right. you spank <laughs> your child? If they saw me spank my kid, they'd have a heart attack. And they strapped a mask on their kid for two years. Like I call these people. The cultural Marxist—that's what they are. John John Stockton, NBA player, you know, said he wasn't going to wear a mask into the arena where the school he went to, Gonzaga, and they took his tickets away. This is a Hall of Fame NBA player. They took his tickets away, and and they've not letting him come back in. And then the other players, former NBA players, of course, come out and start talking about him. Like, nobody can have their own opinion. No one. Sounds like China to me, bro. <laughs> no, it, right. Well, and now we know. Like, poor, right. poor right. Joe Rogan. They're trying to get Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan's a fighter, so they picked the wrong guy, right? And yeah. he is, like, a charming man. Like, people love – I figured out Joe Rogan's secret. It's he is a great admirer of people. When he – every guest he has on – you can hear in Joe Rogan's voice that he is an admirer of that person. So you right, have a very right. successful, accomplished guy, the number one podcast in the world. He's a great athlete, all these things, comedian, but everyone he has on the show, you can't, he's charming. You cannot miss the fact that first of all, he's unaffected. It's not like he's putting out an act and he greatly admires these people. So he's going to be the hardest guy in the world to cancel. And also with like Dave Chappelle, again, another very honest good guy that they're trying to destroy. Yep. I think Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan might be the, you know, uh, the elephant steps on the, the rock and the elephant breaks. Right. Right. I hope so, man. Just, uh, just stay with the uh, patriotism, freedom, Americans. You have the choice. 
to wear the mask or not. Nobody should just mandate, demand, and yell, yo, you got to do it this way. I, it's my life. I take, you know, consequences and coming outside. I take it into my hands, and I, I do what's best. That's it. Yeah, they say we're supposed to wear the mask to protect other people, not ourselves. Why don't they make them a mask where they can protect themselves? Why don't we do that? Why don't we invent right. a mask where they can, they can protect themselves from me? Uh, but we know, you know, no, we know that the mask is utterly useless, right? We know that the right. mask is absolutely useless. Right. So what what was it for? If they if they knew that it's useless, and I always was standing on that, what was it for? It's 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 to take away freedom. Now you got these people wearing masks outside. Like I always thought, I was like they, this is air, like, you're wearing it without being told that you have to wear it. Like, now, you take it upon yourself to take away your own freedom and admonish others. Man. And what, makes, and what makes the mask so dangerous, I have something called face blindness. It's really addling. It's, I can't recognize people from their face. There's this triangle from your eyebrows down to your mouth, right? Like if you do a triangle, you go draw a triangle from your eyebrows down to your mouth. That's how your brain recognizes somebody, right? That's how you recognize yep. a person, that triangle. Um, what that mask does is it robs people of their dignity and their personality. Uh, you can't see them as a human being or as a person, right? They're almost right. like a bot. You don't see them. It's We're robbing people of their personality, of their dignity. And um, you're right. I think there's much more to it then that, that they and I'm ha happy to hear these Republicans saying once we take the house Fauci and others there's going to be uh there's going to be a lot of hearings they're going to be launching a lot of investigations and I pray for that and I cannot wait for that see I'm hopeful yeah. I feel like they're on the run yeah that Fauci guy I feel I feel that but I feel sorry for that guy because I think he he might be getting threatened his family might be you know he says some things that are just totally ridiculous, and he's been saying it for a long time. And he's supposed to be a medical, uh, like a, a an authority. And I feel that there's a script, and these guys have to follow the script because they might have been threatened with, you know, some things with their family because some of the things they say is just totally ridiculous. Doesn't make sense. And no. um. And it's like know. he knows, he knows, right? Doesn't he know his time is going to be up soon? Look, Cuomo brothers are gone. All, yeah. you know, it's like one by one, all the heroes are falling. Um, I, I, do you think Fauci understands that he is headed toward the guillotine? Does he get that? Uh, yeah, I, I think he knows it's, it's on the horizon because the med you know, the doctor's coming at him. You know, the body doesn't work like how he's talking. It's like really stupid, man. You know, like 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 our uh, immune system, it's not it's not good. Like the creator made uh, has a faulty immune system in a human being. This body is perfect. Our bodies are perfect. There are millions of viruses out here. I'm outside right now. Millions of viruses right now, all around me. This is how it goes. Well, you were out there with your cookout and you were out there with your Instagram when they still had that flashing red light uh, like it was Gotham City above New York. That was right. bizarre. And I was there. I was outside from March when it started from March to March. So 2020 to 2021. Outside, no mask, 
It was deserted. This is me talking about this is fear-mongering. This is the greatest psychological operation in the history of my life. So I have no fear. I know what it is. If you're transfixed to the television, you're going to be under a trance. And fear is crippling. And they know what to do with the fear. But when you don't believe the lie, like, then there's no power in it. You went to a hospital. I remember you walked into a hospital, right? Yeah. And you walked into a hospital when they said the hospitals in New York City were overflowed. It was crickets. It was, it was like, like, yeah, it was tumbleweed because, <laughs> you know, a war zone, they said it was a war zone. We know what a war zone is. I was expecting to see a convoy of ambulances and a bunch of activity with nothing outside. Those guys were drinking coffee in the ambulances. And I actually asked the dude, I said, yo, they said it was, they said it was a war zone out here, man. I just was on the news. I wanted to come by and see. He said, oh, man, ain't nothing out here, man. So, psychological operation. Just don't play into it. But don't the watch. medical professionals every day, what time is it in New York when every day they would bang their pans out the window? Like prisoners ringing their cup. You know how prisoners would like oh, bang their yeah. cup out the windows? <laughs> These oh, were like old school about. prisoners banging their cups outside the windows. And they would, they would you, bang their pans outside the windows. They did this for like yeah. a year, right? Yeah. It, it, it let me know that, man, people are not what I thought, man. People are, are sheep. And, and I lost a lot, a lot of people who really don't think for themselves. And I think that was one of the good things that happened with this. I got, I got to weed out people who I thought had, had a reasonable deduction and criti critical thinking. And this thing let me know that these people that I was around are just sheep. They don't even think for themselves. Like, like whatever the television tells you, then that's what it is. Why are these people credible? Who made them credible? These are strangers on television telling you something that they're reading from, a script. Think for yourself, and you'll figure this thing out. You can't live your life in fear. How the hell are you going to live your life in fear well, based you, on what someone else said? Yeah, an illusion. Do you remember when I made that video on YouTube? It got millions of downloads before YouTube sunk it, and then, and then Alex Jones put it up. When I went to, it was in February. I went to uh, a facility to get tested that was in the news. They said lines were miles long, this and this and that. It was the end of February. I went to this testing facility, and I documented what a fraud it was, and I was putting it up, and the lady came out and hit me. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. You got arrested, right? No, that was, was another that time. That was oh. No, that, I got arrested. I might have been the first. By the grace of God, I thank God for this privilege. I may have been the first person in the world arrested protesting COVID shutdowns. Uh, the oh, man. first week of the first shutdown. So when I see all this stuff happen in Canada, I feel like, okay, you know. And by the way, I lost, I, I lost not close friends, but people who were like friendly acquaintances and kind of kind of distanced themselves from me. But a lot of them have <laughs> come back and said, you were right. Have you had people come back and say, gee, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Due to my cookout, because I was going hard, right? And these guys were going back and forth at me. I was. And now they are really coming back and, and bowing and scraping and like, yo, you right. You were right, G. I'm like, all you got to do is pay attention. That's it. Just you, you, you'll be able to point out the lie. You'll be able to figure out that this isn't what they're saying. It's all about deception. If I can deceive you into thinking something is 
not, you know, if I can deceive you, then I can manipulate you any way I want you to go. It's all deception. Think about this. You, you get the, you got the shot, but the shot doesn't work. So why did you get the shot? Now you need a booster to bolster the shot that didn't work. This is, this is foolishness. And, and they told you the shot was going to prevent you from getting COVID and spreading it. Now they tell right. you it won't prevent you from getting it. It won't prevent you from spreading it, but it'll make you less sick. How do we know that? How do they, they right. don't, you know? I know a guy that got six shots. I'm like, yo, you, you, you really playing with this thing. You don't know. You got six shots. Let me let now, me tell you about this guy. Have- <laughs> I, let me tell you about this guy. I bet you he doesn't work out and he doesn't eat right. Oh no, of course not. Right. This isn't you. This isn't a CrossFit guy eating keto. Right. No. No. Now, if 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 I had if there was a a shot, if I had wait if I had polio, and I took the shot, <laughs> and I still like, man, I heard this somewhere. I gotta I gotta get this right. If I took a shot that said you won't get polio, and then after I get the shot, I got polio, I would think something is, is wrong. Something's, something's going on here. You told me I wasn't going to get it, and I got it. So what, 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 what's the deal with the shot? Well, I don't want to spread information. I don't want to spread misinformation. I don't want to spread fake news. Here's what I know. Israel is the most vaxxed country in the world with the greatest COVID outbreak. I know Hawaii basically kept COVID out of the state and at bay until they got to 70% vaccination. And I know I didn't get the Delta variant. I never caught COVID once, never stopped doing Muay Thai or boxing, never stopped going to events and rallies and shaking people's hand and hugging people, never stopped any of that. When do I get COVID? After everyone gets the Delta variant, uh, the Delta, uh, everyone after everyone gets the vaccine, a couple weeks later, I get COVID. I don't know where these variants are coming from. I just know it's interesting that Israel should have no COVID, and they're the worst right. country in the world. <laughs> right, right. So I always, thought, I always thought something was up with it. You know, I don't know. I always thought that. I said, man, no, nah, I can't believe these guys. I'm just going to live my life. I only got one in the physical world, so I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to let anybody dictate how I should live my life. But I'm going to be cautious as usual, but you're not going to have me in fear. With, with God, how are we going to be in fear with God? Come on, man. Well, I just saw an interview with Klaus Schwab. You might have saw this interview where Klaus Schwab was asked, you know, where, how are we going to see the fourth, um, this fourth economic revolution? Where are we going to see it? And he said, oh, you're not going to see it because it's not going to be outside of you. It's going to be inside of you. Well, we will literally change your DNA. Oh, that's great. There you go. That, 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 that's what. I had saw some information on that. I didn't know how true that was. Is that is the point of the shot to get into the DNA to control the human being somehow because there's a code of all of us, and that's the code, and that's the uh, the proof of God who coded the human being through DNA. These these wicked scientists may have found a way to uh, to access that code and change the, the strands and change your thinking. You never, yo, they, Who knows? They do anything. Look, like they want to give us a neural link. Look, this is crazy stuff when people say, oh, these are conspiracy theories. Who in the right no. mind would put a neural link in their head? 
Have you right. seen this Elon Musk's Neuralink? I, I saw, I'm not too familiar, but I saw the, the term. Yeah, so going back to the early 90s, I saw an interview with Warren Buffett and um, it was Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and a few other guys. I don't remember who the other guys were. And Charlie Rose was asking them, what are going to be the biggest transformations in the next 100 years? And Bill Gates said, well, it's going to make the computer and the human mind will be compatible where they'll be linked together. And eventually you won't go to a doctor. You'll just go and upload your, you know, you'll upload your brain into a computer. And then if, right. you, get, if you die, then they can download it. And you maybe miss a couple months from your last upload. And eventually we can like, uh, we can have real time kind of upload your mind to a cloud and then it could download. This was in the early, maybe mid nineties. I was in college. Right. And uh, he said, it'll be by 2030. And he said, this is going to change society because um, we won't need to reproduce as a species anymore because we'll become, you know, we won't need to continue on to continue on as a species. We won't need to reproduce. And so population control, da, 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 da. And, and, you know, and so this sounds so crazy. You don't even want to say it out loud that people will think you're a nut. But then, right. you know, you have these guys saying we're going to eat cricket meat and like it. We're going to uh, uh-huh. we're going to not have property and we'll be happy. And never they never say we're going to eat cricket meat. We're not going to have property. It's you're going to eat cricket meat and love it. You right. are not going right. to have property and you're going to be happy. Right. What do you mean? Well, can, can it can it be we are eating cricket meat together? Are we going to eat cricket meat together? Oh, no, man, I'm not eating cricket meat. You're, you're going to be eating cricket meat. I'm going to be on my yacht that you're rowing. <laughs> you're in the basement of the wreck. You're in the bow of the ship with a row, with an oar, eating cricket meat, and you'll be happy. I'm going to be on top deck with supermodels right. eating a steak. <laughs> why is this guy so worried? And why is he thinking about this type of stuff? As if, like, like our... I, I I don't really have words for it, man, because man, he he acts like you know he's gonna live forever. You like fighting God. It's like oh, it seems a, really demonic to me. It seems demonic. I think it's demonic. it's satanic, right? Well, you know, these are the same people who are you know virtue signaling all over the world on all of these sort of issues, but are in bed with you know China business partners with you know their 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 companies are using slave labor. They're, they yeah. have children mining rare earth minerals for their the batteries for their electric cars. You know, we never have news reports on that. Right. You know, right. We, we never have news. Investigative journalists aren't out there trying to expose what's happening with the Uyghur. They're not out there investigating the disappearance of freedom activists in Hong Kong. Really, right. Really, they don't care about that. Uh-uh. Well, gee, you got to come back on the show more. Yeah, man. Yo, it's on you, man. You got to. Text me, yo, G, let's go. You know, I'm anytime, bro. All right, I, I, that's my pledge. I'm going to get you on more this year, and I can't wait till you get settled in your new home. And, and uh, okay, go out with this. Tell us what, what are you going to miss most about New York when you leave? Oh, man. Um, just for me, it's nostalgia. It's the old building, you know, the character of New York. Just uh, my childhood, seeing, you know, different playgrounds put myself back in time, my neighborhood, you know, where I come from in Brooklyn, uh, the people I grew up with, um, just playing all the games outside in, in, in New York, all the old games that we used to play, basketball, um, you know, Mike Tyson's from my neighborhood, all, just, just, just all 
the stuff that all New York, the bodegas, just, you know, all different cultures. I grew up with Puerto Ricans, you know, so I, I just miss it. The accent. I'm going to keep my accent, but just the accent of right. New York. All right, G. Well, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have you back on before you move, and uh, when you yeah. move, we'll have you back on. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Now, I'm gonna. Once you go, I'm gonna. You know, the show is now sponsored by Mike Lindell, my pillow, and uh, so I'm gonna sell some pillows. But before I do that, um, guys, G. Oh, and G drops off. I'm gonna read the names, and it's kind of a long list. You guys don't have to listen to the whole list, but I'm gonna read the names. The list of shame of all of those who are in bed with the CCP. And history should, you know, I'm reading these names, G, and I'm publishing this list because in 60 years when the my woke grandkids lack the courage to face the evil that's in front of them and they want to condemn people that have been long since dead, I'm giving them the list. <laughs> yeah, give it to them. <laughs> the woke people of 2075, um, this is who you need to uh, to come up and fight and show how, how humane and beautiful of a human you are so you can ignore right. the atrocities right in front of you. We're going to... So that's why I'm doing this, to make it easy for the woke of the future. That's right. So, Antifa in the future can use this list. <laughs> all, right. all right, G. God bless you, brother. All right, bro. All right, peace. All right, guys, that was G. Moody. Uh, oh, I forgot to put the mute on there again. Sorry, guys. That was G. Moody, um, formerly the host of This, That, and the Third, the ex-co-host of the Michael Rappaport Show, which when he was on the show was one of the number one podcasts in the world, and you could see why. I love that guy. And um, you got to check out G. Moody's Cookout, especially if you love New York City. Um, and if you've never been, you can kind of get a taste and flavor of, of New York City. All right? And this episode has been brought to you by uh, MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com. Use the code Jones for deep discounts. Stand with us at the Vulnerable People Project, standing with the most vulnerable people in the world by becoming a monthly donor. If you become a monthly donor, you get a free copy of my book. Go to the great campaign up. I got to mute that sucker. Uh, go to um, the uh, thegreatcampaign.org and um, become a monthly donor and you get my book, The Race to Save Our Century with the great John Zmerak. All right, here we go, guys. Uh, I'm going to read the list. You can go to www.genocideolympics.com and you can see this list and you can sign our pledge to not watch one minute, not one second of the CCP Genocide Olympics and do not buy one product from any of these sponsors, okay? And so here are the sponsors, and I'm not just going to name the corporations. Uh, and I have an article coming out at the stream soon. Uh, hopefully, it'll come out by Monday morning. And by the way, um, yeah, it'll be coming out on Monday morning. So uh, here we go. Okay, these, this is the, the Genocide Games list of shame. The Worldwide Olympic Partners, Airbnb, their CEO is Brian Chesky. Their CPO is Joe Gabia. And their CSO is Nathan Blacharsky. The Alibaba Group, Daniel Zhang is the CEO. Joseph Tsai is the executive chair. And J. Michael Evans is the president. They're bringing shame to their families and to their corporation, to their communities. Allens, the uh, CEO, is Oliver Bate. The chairman is Michael Dykeman. The CFO is is Julio Terzaloy and uh, and Jacqueline Hunt. I don't know what Jacqueline Hunt's job is. Atos, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. A-T-O-S, don't know what they do. Rudolph Belmer is the CEO. 
Bridgestone, uh, Shojiro Ishibashi. Shame on you, Shojiro Ishibashi. Shame on you. Okay, this is going to be hard for you guys. No Coca-Cola, no Coke products. I've given up. I'm only drinking water for 2022. No wine, no coffee, no juice, no beer, not even lemon in my water. I, I, I used to love Coca-Cola. I would only get the Mexican Coca-Cola. And then I, then I would drink Topo Chico. Topo Chico is owned by Coca-Cola. No Coca-Cola products, guys. None. Zilch. Zero. Why? Because Coca-Cola is one of the prime partners with the CCP. Um, James Quincy is the chairman and CEO. Brian Smith is the president and COO. Mengni Deary. Well, I don't know what they do. I'm sure it involves cheese and milk, but I don't think I'm buying it. Uh, and that's Ning Gao Ning. Um, Intel, here we go. Intel, Omar Ishar is the chairman. Pat Gelsinger is the CEO. And David Zeisner is the CFO. Omega SA, I, uh, Raymond Eichelman is the president. Panasonic, shame on you, Panasonic. Kazuhiro Tsuga. Kazuhiro Tsuga, chairman. And uh, Yuki Kuzumi is the president and CEO. Procter & Gamble, they own everything. This is going to be the challenge. You're going to have to look for that when you're grocery shopping now. First of all, as you know, you should only shop around the outside of the store, right? You should only shop around the outside of the store. Those inner aisles are no-go zones, except for the one aisle that's the health food section, right, where you go to get your kombucha, whatever. But other than the one inner aisle, you just... You just go on the outer aisles where you get the fruit, you get the vegetables, you get the fish, right? You get your dairy products. Just shop on the outside because when you go in those inner aisles, you see Procter & Gamble. You got to be careful with those Procter & Gamble products. Uh, John Moeller is chairman and Scott Cook is the director. Samsung. Can you believe this? Samsung Electronics. Korea, you should know better. Bak Jai Wan, chairman of the board. Kim Ki Nam, vice president. Kim Hyuk Suk, I'm sorry, Kim Hyun Suk, president and CEO. Ko Ding Jin, president and CEO of IM. Don't know what that is. Han Jong Hee, Hong Jong Hee, shame on you. Choi Yoon Ho, shame on you. See, the Washington Post published a list of members of Congress and the Senate that were slave owners, right? Well, these right here are um, people who participate uh, with a slave state. And we should, we should know their names. Visa, uh-oh, I have Visa, I got to make sure, I don't have a Visa card, here we go, Visa Inc., Alfred Kelly, you guys, cut up those Visa cards and set, send them a letter, pay it off, cut it up, don't cancel it, right, you know, I don't need to tell you, you don't cancel the card, just cut it up, all right, here are the official partners, Air China, President and CEO, uh, Chai Jing Jiang, Chairman Song Jiang. These guys are like, he didn't even say my name right, so I don't even care. But you can read their names, and then you can tell me how to pronounce it. Um, Anta Sports, Ding Shi Hong, Chairman. Bank of China, Liu Lingna. Okay, he's President Chairman of the Board. China National Petroleum Corporation, Dai Hao Ling, President Li Fang Rong. Pathetic, soulless wraiths. All of them, all of these people are just shameful. By the way, they all know that. They're all disgusted that they've been put in this position. But all of them, 
I get, I, I get, they're probably smart. These are some smart men and women. And they're disgusted that they have to, to pollute their soul by partnering with the CCP. Most of these guys. They probably hate it. And they think that this would be unfair. But it is fair. Because they need to have courage. Look, they could quit their jobs now and they'll live better than, you know, you and I will live. They got a lot of money in the bank, these guys. All right? The... Um, China Three Gorges Corporation, the state-owned power company, all right? I will never, I can promise you, ever use electricity generated from the China Three Gorges Corporation, although in Texas we're in the midst of great freeze. We may need it. China Unicom, Wang Xiaochu, chairman <clears throat> and party secretary. That's a real commie right there. All right, we got a lot of guys here, bureaucrats. This is a state-run company, I'm guessing, because there's a lot of guys here. We got Lu. Yim Min, Vice President and Deputy Party Secretary. Li Fu Shen, Director and Deputy Party Secretary. Xiao Guanglu, VP and Member of the Party Committee. Zhang Zhang Jin, VP and Member of the Party Committee. And who is this guy? Who is this guy? Caesar Alatera, Director of the China Unicom Hong Kong. Caesar, how dare you? These guys, these guys are all members of the Communist Party. I'm guessing they're a little older, and I bet you all of them had a child or two or more forcibly destroyed because of China's one-child policy. All right, we've got People's Insurance Company of China, owned by the Chinese government. Xiao Gang Group, Zhu Jimin, is the chairman and party committee secretary. Sinopec, Zhao Dong is chairman. Dai Haoleng is vice chairman and president. And Chang Zhang Yong is the vice president. The State Grid Corporation of China, Xu Yin Biao, um, is the chairman, and Yili Group, um, the chairman is Pang, uh, Pang Gang. Okay, guys, uh, here are some more official sponsors. The Beijing Bio Group, the Beijing Cultural Investment Development Group, the Beijing Yangjin Brewery. All right, Tsing Tao. Sing Tao, I'm not going to drink you anymore. All right. I should have started with the American companies. That's what I'm going to do next time. Okay, the official exclusive suppliers, EF Education First. Philip Holt is chairman. iFlyTech, it's owned by China. All right. China Post, HiLink, Snickers, Mars Inc. Shame on you, Mars. No more Snickers for you. Snickers does not satisfy Oh, Victoria B. Mars, she's the former chairman, and Grant F. Reed is the president and CEO. Price, Waterhouse Cooper, Robert Moritz. Yeah, you're a disgrace, my man, Robert. Tragic, soulless. I bet you started out, you know, look, you got to the top of Price Waterhouse, and look at you now. You're in, you, you are literally going to be in history books. I can promise you people, because when gaslighting stops, when ideologies of evil collapse, we look to see who is culpable, who is responsible for the great scandal of the Genocide Olympics. Well, let me tell you who's responsible. Robert Moritz is responsible, right, from Price Waterhouse Cooper. Grant Reed is responsible from Snickers, 100%. Okay, now this is where I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to read this at the end of every show for the next 16 days. Um, so you don't have to listen to the end of the show. Probably, I might be just talking to myself. 
you clicked to the www.ccpgenocideolympics.com and you're reading them. All right, but listen here. International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach, president. Thomas Bach, were you honeypotted? What happened, my friend? How did you go along to get along? Do you have an account in Switzerland? Thomas Bach, how dare you? Okay, the vice presidents of the IOC, Yu Jing Ching, Nga Sir Myung, John Coates, and Nicole Hovorts. By the way, not a lot of women on this genocide list of shame, but there you are, Nicole. Sorrowful. I'm going to write you all a letter. I'm going to write letters to all of these people, by the way, every single one, and I'm going to send them my podcast and let them know that I'm, I'm saying their name in every show. All right. Christopher DeKepper, he is Director General of the International Olympic Committee, the executive members of the International Committee. And you got to ask yourself, China, China would not be beyond. China would never blackmail, bribe, threaten, or cajole, or intimidate, or coerce any of these executive members. No way that could ever happen. Would never want to imply such a thing. Nothing like that would be needed to get all of these all of these uh, men and women to go along with the Beijing Olympics quietly, peacefully, keeping their mouths shut. They all just went along with it. Uh, Nenad Lalovic, the executive members of the International Olympic Committee. Ivo Fiorini, Prince Faisal Al-Hussein, Prince Faisal. You know, your great-grandpa, warrior, look at you. In bed with the genocidal regime. Nawal el Matwakal, I should probably take a cultural sensitivity class to read these names. Michaela Kujwanko Jaworski, wow, that's a multicultural name there. Um, Gerando Worthen, Robin Mitchell, Dennis Oswald, Emma Tirho, and Kristen Eisen. All right, we're almost to the end of the list, guys. I need to get water for this stuff. We are almost. We have now arrived at NBC Universal. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, has presidential aspirations. Well, he's going to be in an article I write at the stream for sure. I'm going to have to write an article focused on The Rock. How dare you, Rock? It's shameful, scandalous. Now, you guys, send me a note, Jason at thegreatcampaign.org. If you think that it is wrong of me, it is wrong of me, to hold these people responsible for participating in the genocide games. Rachel Maddow at least had the good sense to say she needed time off during this Olympic time. She needed a little peace and quiet. I think she's done this once before. Very wise of her. I wish she would have integrity and say, I don't want anything to do with these genocide games. Don't want that on my, I don't want, I don't want that ignoble mark on my name. So and I suspect those of you who think it's wrong that I'm reading these names, really think Whoopi Goldberg should lose her job because she's a raging anti-Semite. That's what you think, right? Because you lack courage to stand up to people in power who are engaged in crimes. You would have never stood up to anti-Semites in Weimar or in Germany in 1933, 37, let alone 42, 43. Never, no way, no how, right? I, I don't know who you'd have been defending then, but you definitely wouldn't have been standing with the Jews. And if you can't stand with the Uyghur today, yeah, it's shameful. And if you can't see how these people are, are responsible, uh, they are. They didn't need to do this. No one needed to do this. All right. Vice President of, of uh, okay, NBC Universal. Dwayne Johnson will be working for them. 
And we have Stephen Burke, chairman of NBC Universal. Jeff Shell, CEO. Francis Berwick, chairman. Pete Bevacqua, uh, chairman. Matt Bond, chairman. Cesar Conde, chairman. Bo Ferrari, chairman. Bonnie Hammer, vice chairman. Kimberly Harris, executive VP. Mark Hoffman uh, with CNBC. Jimmy Horowitz, Vice Chair of Business Affairs. Perlina Igbokwe, Chairman of uh, Universal Studio Group. Rashida Jones, President of MSNBC. Kathy, uh, Kathy Kelly Brown, Senior VP of Strategic Initiatives, Comcast Cable, NBC Universal. Um, Anand Kini, CFO. Donna Langley, Chairman of uh, Universal Filmed Entertainment Group. Mark Lazarus, Chairman, NBC Universal Television and Streaming. Adam Miller, uh, Comcast Corporation and Executive VP, NBC Universal. Noah Oppenheim, President, NBC News. Craig Robinson, Executive VP, Chief Diversity Officer. And Susan Rovner, uh, Chairman, Entertainment of Content. All right, listen, listen, listen. Craig Robinson. Let's focus on you, Craig Robinson. You're Chief of Diversity. Chief of Diversity. How many Uyghur work for NBC? I didn't see a single Uyghur name on this list, right? Not a single Uyghur name. Interesting. I didn't see a lot of diversity on this list. I saw like centers of ethnic and power. I saw Chinese names. I saw names that I could understand. European names, right? I didn't see any Uyghur names. Hmm. Interesting. Tajik names. Right, I wonder, uh, anyone from Taiwan on this list? I don't know. Maybe we need to get this diversity officer from NBC to see why we don't have any Tibetans on this list. Interesting. Anyway, guys, that is the list of shame. Go to ccpgenocideolympics.com and you know bookmark that site. Give it to your great-grandchildren because in 50 years when they're woke and they're looking for a crusade that's safe to fight, they can fight against the great Genocide Olympics of 2022 um, when it doesn't take any courage or commitment or fortitude. But you can do it now. Thank you for listening to The Jason Jones Show. Again, go to our website, The Vulnerable People Project. Become a monthly donor or give your best one-time gift and you get a free copy of my book, The Race to Save Our Century, with John Zmirak. All right? Until tomorrow, as we continue the... Uh, pentathlon of podcasting every day of these olympics i'm gonna i'm gonna shout into the wind what a grave and great scandal this is and we're going to highlight a different atrocity today we had g moody for a little break uh and then for me to read the list for the first time all right talk to you tomorrow jason jones show This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Jason Jones.